Welcome, everybody. It's another Hollywood Godfather podcast. And we have an interesting story tonight. First of all, I want to welcome my compadre, my friend, Pat Cicciarelli, my co-author. Pat, how are you? Good, good, good. And yes. then the, the, doing well. The, the lady of all trades, she keeps getting more titles. I have to get her a, a book for her business card title. <laughs> Megan Horan. Hello, Gianni. How are we doing? We're doing great, girl. Doing great. So, Love to uh, hear it. Uh, you know, we were talking, uh, well, as we're in the fashion world now, you know that with our La Cosa Mia by Gianni. And one of the greatest influences of that era, uh, not era, I mean, of me dressing the way I dress, is a guy who just recently turned 100 years old. And in talking about it and reading so much about him, we never did a full show on him. We talked about a couple of things which we'll retouch on now. But um, the, nam- the man we're talking about is Gianni Agnelli, and, uh, an industrialist, a lawyer, and so many other things. And I only became friends with him. Number one, I wanted to buy his watch. And then I started bunking into him everywhere. In fact, he was in some of my audiences, which we'll talk about. But Gianni Agnelli, look him up. You'll, he's a fiat fame and so many other things. And we're going to hear some collaborating stories from Megan and Pat. And this is our show tonight. Hope you enjoy it. Well, tell us about how you got to meet this guy. I mean, he's this is a fascinating guy. Oh, my God. Well, I didn't know I was meeting him. That's was the funniest thing. I saw a watch in Van Cleef and Arpel, and I used to sell ballpoint pens in front of that store when I was 12 and 13 years of age. And Mary always used to give me coffee, so I knew somebody inside. And one day, in a, in a window display, they put Cellini Rolex. So I thought it was an Italian watch. So I said to her, I said, is that an Italian watch? She said, no, the designer, Cellini, is a, a designer that designs watches, high-end watches for Rolex. And they're normally one of a kind. So a couple of days went by, and I kept looking at the watch in the window. So I asked Mary, I said, could you give me the serial number of that watch? She said, why would you want the serial number? I said, because someday I'm going to contact Rolex and give him the serial number, and I want to know who the guy is, and I want to buy that watch. He's, he's motivated me to make money. So she was very nice, gave it to me. And what most people don't know, not, I mean, very close people only knew, I was always staying in front of the Sherry Netherlands Hotel on 59th and 5th Avenue, and they all took a liking to me to do them and the front door people and all that. So I used to use that as my mailing address. <laughs> so I had another lady called Mary at the front desk write me a letter, because I'm not fluent in American language or English language to write a letter, because I never went to school and, you know, I was a young kid. So all she did was write me a letter stating that I saw this watch in the window at Van Cleef and Arpel, and I'm very interested in owning it. Could you direct me to the owner or have the owner contact me? And I didn't even understand why I got such an immediate reception from them, 
But they were using the Sherry Netherlands, my address. So they thought I lived there, which is a very high-end address on Fifth Avenue. And they didn't know I was 13 years of age. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I didn't really motivate, I mean, didn't really activate going for the watch till I was like 14 or 15 because I had to save $9,000 because they told me that was the estimated cost at that time. So I got a letter back and said, if I'm ever in Dole to Switzerland, contact us. Well, I waited a year or two and I had the money and I contacted them. And they said, you know, when are you coming over? And I had no intention to go into Dole to Switzerland. And, you know, so I said, when do you want me to come over? And this is mail now, this is not email. So this is weeks in delay of corresponding. And so I make a reservation. My friends, the Laforts, owned every travel agency here. And they hooked me up at the Doldeguan, only to let me know it's in season for skiing is $1,200 a night. I said, I don't want a suite, just give me a room. She said, that's just a room. <laughs> so long story short, I go. I transfer $9,000 to Rolex in, in Dolder, Switzerland. And the next morning, I hear a little chimes like an xylophone, which I've never experienced before. And they're paging me in the lobby. And obviously, I raise my hand. They come over, and there's a gentleman who wants to see me. And he sits down, and he, and he says to Mr. Russo, yes. He says, you inquired about a watch, as I did. And he says, tell me the story of this watch. Why is it so important to you? So I told him the story. You know, I had polio. I'm out. I'm, you know, 50% my body at that time was paralyzed. And this was an incentive that if I ever have owned this watch, I'd like to own it because, number one, it's a Cellini. It's Italian. And the guy starts crying. And I'm saying, well, what is this guy crying about? He said, well, how long are you going to be here? I said, until I get the watch. He said, we'll send a car for you tomorrow. I said, okay. What time? He said, be down here at 11. It's perfect. And he disappears. 11 o'clock, there they go with the little xylophone again. <laughs> I'm down there. They page me. I go outside, and I get in this amazing Duesenberg, which I never saw one of those before. I get in. We drive out to the country. We're out of, out of the city maybe 20 minutes. And we come to gates. I've never seen gates around a house like this before. I never saw a house this big in my life. And we drive onto to the property, and all the servants are lined up outside in the cold on in the port cashier, including the guy that I told the story to, who I thought owned the watch. So I get out of the car. He comes to me first, and I walk in. And he said, I have to apologize to you because I misled you. I do not own the watch. I said, okay, what am I doing here for? He said, well, the guy that owns the watch lives here. It's his house. <laughs> I said, okay. So he brings me into a room, a study that was like, you know, like the public library. And here comes this guy. And immediately I looked at this guy and I said, look at the way this man is dressed. And... You know, I never saw a person, number one, wearing a... My apologies. I couldn't hear what you said. 
Siri just chimed in for a Siri. second. <laughs> Siri's mind your own business about the story. <laughs> Siri's get a job. Anyway, <laughs> how'd that happen? Anyway, my house is bugged. So anyway, now this guy comes and he has this beautiful cashmere sweater on a V-neck with a scarf, a very colorful scarf, and the watch was over the sweater. And why I'm bringing that out, as I get to know this guy, which I do, every time I saw him, he was dressed impeccable in, in a style that I've never seen before. And I have to say, between him and Dee Martin, I stole a lot of my uh, dressing accolades from them. And uh, his name was Johnny Agnelli. And he wanted to hear the story. So I tell him the story, he starts crying. So he tells the, the guy who was his aide to go get the watch. And the guy comes down with a dollhouse. And they pull open a window, and the watch is on an automatic winder. Each doll window, dollhouse window, had different watches that he collected. So he takes out the watch. He says, put it on. I put it on, and it fit. I mean, if, in fact, I, I, who's ever watching this on Zoom, this is the watch. I never wear another watch. I put it on, and it fit. He says, great, it fits. I said, perfect. I says, uh, what do you want for the watch? He says, I don't sell anything. I said, excuse me? Yeah, what are you doing now? I said, what do you mean you don't sell anything? I said, he said, why are you so angry? I said, well, I'm not angry, but you just said, yeah, tell you the story. I told the other guy the story. He said, what are you not hearing? I said, you're not selling me the watch. He said, no, I'm going to give it to you. And he gave me the watch. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Now it, was all, now it was all worthwhile. But only to find out, as years went on, I bunked into this man everywhere in the world. Because I didn't know I'd be hanging out in Rome at the Vatican and the Ambassadori Hotel. or I mean, you name the places. I'd walk in, and most of the time he's holding court. Even in Monaco at Jimmy's. And we were always at Jackie O's at the Piazza di Spagna. And we became friends. And he never, still to this day, he died. I mean, he passed on now. He just celebrated his 100th birthday, as I said. And that's what I remember most, because I was 16 and he was 39. Only to find out this man was the head of Fiat, Ferrari, and so many other things. His accomplishments were amazing. But, um, and fortunately, I, in fact, he was in my audience at the Carpentibe. I used to appear there the last weekend of July every year. And De Cap Antibes is right outside in Nice. It's a very high-end resort. And they just started taking credit cards. They never took credit cards. They had they send you a bio. They would estimate what they think you would spend. And you would wire the money 90 days before you were coming, lest they'd cancel your reservation. But... Um, that's how I met him, and until he died, we shared numerous nights, and uh, I want my Millennium and Pat, who's a great researcher, to tell you all other accolades of his that I wasn't privy to, because I just hung out with the guy. 
Well, before we get into anything else, Johnny, that was an amazing story. It's time for a commercial break. You want to send us off? All right, please. We'll be right back. we got to make some money, just in case I want to buy another watch. Don't go nowhere. We're watching you. Welcome, everybody. And I'm so happy to be able to tell you tonight that we are expanding not only the show, not only how you can participate and share into so many different facets of my life and the life of this podcast and the world we created, we are going to expand our family. You're going to have an opportunity to actually join our family. And it'll be up to you how far you go in our family by the purchases of things we're putting out to you, um, the opportunities that you could take advantage of, like having a one-on-one conversation with me, having me visit your home while you have 10 people for dinner. There's so many things that you're going to be so excited. Just go to HollywoodGodfatherFamily.com and we'll have all the information you want. And believe me, I want you in my family. Don't let me come looking for you. Okay, we're back. With Mr. Pat, you want to take it away? Well, I, t- I tell you, you know, obviously a phenomenal businessman. Uh, he had his hands in everything, primarily cars. He, uh, the CEO, as Johnny said, of Fiat. But what I was amazed at was his sense of style. I mean, uh, Johnny likes his clothes. I, I like mine. But I was totally unfamiliar with the style that he made famous. Sprezzatura, it's called. Yeah, sprezzatura. It, it's 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 like it's like uh, it's like an uh, an eclectic collection. It's like uh, throwing it all together. <laughs> it's basically dressing extremely well, but it, the dre- the 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 style looks very careless, and that's the way it's intended to be. Right. Uh, so what's like an example of that? Like what what was an out what was an outfit that was considered eccentric well, for him? There's numerous pictures of Sprezzatura uh, on the uh, on the internet, but to describe it, uh, layers are important. Oh uh, yeah, shirts, a sweater on top of a sweater, uh, an expensive sport jacket, for example, a shirt uh, underneath the lat, a uh, French cuff shirt with cufflinks. But the cufflinks would be undone. On you would have the cufflinks in one side of the shirt, but not passed all the way through. Now uh, I'm going to interrupt you there for a minute because if you do research on a lot of my pictures over the years, all my cufflinks are not made. I got that from him. It's it's a it's a very classy look, and it's very individual. But Americans, oh my God, they would think they had to get dressed. And uh, <laughs> or he ran out the door. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to have to be introduced to them now. Belts, for example, are long. You know, you put the belt through uh, through the loop, you fasten it. Got this foot long yeah. uh, excess hanging. Exactly. Uh, ties, neckties. Ties the limit with neckties. You want to tie them? You want to half tie them? You want to tie them up? You want to tie them down? You just want to wrap them around your neck without tying them? Yep. Uh, it's basically relaxing your grooming and bracelets. Oh my God! Yeah, that I never Luna's got into. Bracelets on both wrists. 
uh, it's just a very odd look. And if you can, you find a lot of it in Italy, which makes sense. Oh, yeah. Well, they all Uh, copied them. Yeah, Yeah, definitely very European. When it's when it's put together, as I described it, it's 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 very difficult to envision it. But if you see a a a picture of it, uh, and everybody who's listening, just go on the internet. As I said, you'll you'll find lots of pictures. It looks good. Yeah, right. Truly, everybody is an individual. You can't pick two people out who look alike. No, specifically your own style. Yeah, it's, it was. It's like it was fashion forward when he was doing it, and then it's just continued to stay that way because only certain people can can pull it off and right. and, and want have to the eye for putting it together. Right. It's, you're wearing sneakers with a, a a tuxedo with a cashmere sweater under the tux. The, you know, I mean, it's just it's just odd. I used it a couple of times, and I I, I mean, I was really uh, one night I remember with with Sinatra. And we had our boats mourned together in front of the Fountain Blue and the Eden Rock. And we were going to go up to the, um, the, uh, the, no, the, the Dip- Diplomat Hotel. They were having a big uh, Italian League, uh, Anti-Defamation League rally. And Sammy Davis was on stage. And Frank said, we, we got to go up and say hello. He says, black tie. I said, no problem. So I come, out, come off my boat. And he said, that's how you're going? I said, why? You said black tie. He said, yeah. I saw here's my black tie. I had a tuxedo on with no shirt, no socks, which I don't wear anyway because he taught me that. I had evening slippers with no socks on. The tie was tied around my neck, skin, and nothing else. <laughs> no shirt. With a necktie. But I'm saying, but no shirt. Yeah. And yeah. I went. Everybody was flipping out. They loved it, especially down, in, <laughs> especially in Florida when it's eighty-five degrees and eighty percent humidity. <laughs> and that's a relaxed version of that stuff. Oh, I know. I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I looking on the internet, I actually found a picture of Prince Charles trying to do that, dressed in that style. Yeah, it was really strange. Anybody could. <laughs> Uh, oh no! They they all copied him, like you said. And the funniest yeah. thing is, Prince. It's ironic. <laughs> I know it's not the same night, but Prince Charles, and uh, and and um, Agnelli, and myself were in a club called La Parote, which is an old pirate ship between Nice and Cannes, and they built this club on the on the beach. And when you got there, there's no menus. Everybody's dressed as pirates. They're all carrying huge sabers. And as soon as you come in, they'll uh, champagne. And you say, yeah, yeah. And they bring you a quadruple magnum. And they snap the neck off with the saber. And that's the beginning of your evening. And then they'll just throw things at you what you want. You want steak? You want steak? What do you want? You want that? And that's what, that, what it was. But what I found more interesting at the end of the night, and Prince Charles was, in fact, Prince Charles had his birthday there. Rod Stewart called El Perote. You got to look this place up. And and if you're going to go, make sure you mortgage your house. (laughs) At the the end of the night, which was so thrilling, and I'm saying, how could they afford to do this? Then I found out. They had full masses that you climb. Like at the end of the night, like the pirates. And they're playing all this music, 
and then they encourage you to break all the dishes and all the glasses. What? Yes, everything is broken. And they have people registering you broke six plates, three glasses, and you get charged for everything. (laughs) That is bizarre. Oh, it's it's still there. The grandson's running now. No, but I mean, it's it's for the rich, rich. As far as the menu goes, they had a somewhat similar place in Manhattan, a 58th Street called Gaetano. I don't know if you recall that, Gianni. It's been closed 25 years already. You walk in the place. It was a very, very well-appointed place. On, on that block, 58th between 2nd and 3rd, there's got to be 15 restaurants on that. Right. right? And, they're, and they're all high-end. So I, I decided to try this place. You walk in there. And my first... Uh, question is, can somebody bring us a menu? Because we're sitting there like 20 minutes and nobody's bringing a menu. Place is packed. I understand that. Well, there is no menu. Well, what do you have? What, you you have what they're serving that night. They don't even tell you. They just bring it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of... <laughs> it was like a like a six or seven course meal. What You know, the uh, proper amounts. Right. You're not on food. But I tell you, I fell in love with the place. But you, you don't break any dishes there. Uh, no, no. I'm just say. talking about the the strange way they serve food. Oh yeah, yeah. It's really odd. But anyway, I mean, it's uh, the, the guy is obviously a legend. Yet he's uh, he just as we said celebrated his hundredth birthday, and uh, I, I know some of his grandchildren not know them, but I've seen them, and they're carrying their grandfather's style, which I always like, and um, the man is. Uh, I mean, how about our millennium? Would you? What did you find impressive about him, Megan? Uh, I mean, he's a fascinating man. There's he influenced so many people, um, and had such a multifaceted life and career. There was so much, so much success, and then there was also he had a bit of trauma in his life. His son committed suicide. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's just there's so much going on, and he's just so influential in so many ways let me ask you this jenny um i've heard people ask you before um if you and Agnelli were related maybe it's the look you know the style the face the eyes whatever so what is your what's your response to that no but it's so funny you should bring that up because even when we were together and his sons don't look like him and that's one of the big things his his boys didn't like me at all. They didn't know who I was. They didn't want to know who I was, but I was a threat to them. And just because their father's always walking arm in arm with me, which is a big thing in Europe, you know, men walk down the street holding each other's arms. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I was just always, I just liked the guy. I don't care if you like me or not. What do I care about the kid? But uh, so many people thought that some, he's got to be related to me. And even recently, Someone saw pictures, and they brought out the eyes and the hairline. And I never really looked into it. But as I'm getting older, I'm starting to look like Agnelli. And I I have no problem with that, believe me, because he was a good-looking guy. Uh, Johnny, I'm going to tell you something that that I haven't told you before. I spoke to Megan about it. I can't tell you how many times people have approached me and say that I look very, very good on the uh, book cover. Great. Of Hollywood Godfather. I love it. <laughs> See? Least, I'm not exaggerating. At least since that book's been out, 
at least 40 times. But I and can't, these are people who know you? But I can't yes. be your father. You haven't seen me in a while. I'll, I'll give you that. There's no... You could be my just, brother. But not my, I think there's, there's some resemblance, but uh, most of the people who make that comment haven't seen me in a while. And, you know, since we were kids or whatever, or 20s or 30s, whatever it is, and they see that I'm a writer now, and they see my name, and they, they contact me. But know how know how you like to jest. I thought you were going to say Stevie Wonder said that. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> absolutely serious. It happened. It's happened recently. That's great. Hey, God bless. Yeah. So it's you see, and you thought you were a good-looking guy. Now you found that you're ugly like me. Forget I, it. I, I, I'm uh, myself now. No, it, somebody contacted me about two weeks ago through uh, classmates.com. You know, people who went to school together make contact at that website. And I said the same thing. Now, you know, I'm, I'm tired of saying, no, that's not me. I just say thank you. Yeah, that's all. Why not? <laughs> Who cares? Why not? Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's so good. Um, Gianni, let me ask you something else, if that's okay. Um, Anything's okay, so, usually. Believe me. Perfect. So, Agnelli supposedly had, um, you know, on his list of mistresses, he was a bit of a playboy, I heard, was um, Jackie Kennedy. I know. What do you know about that? The only reason, well, when, when well, right after the, you know, the assassination and all that, and then she was a recluse for a minute, and then the whole thing with, uh, which most people don't even know, the deal that Onassis made, it was like almost a trophy for these kind of guys trying to pursue her. I mean, I never found her attractive at all. I mean, she'd probably be one of the last women I'd want to go with. Yeah, but like you say, she, she's a trophy, and it's a business deal. Yeah, and not only that. I mean, these guys, you know, they, they probably dated, and especially him, and even even Onassis. I mean, these guys could go out with anybody they wanted, but, you know, to to be with Jackie Onassis, I mean, Jackie uh, Kennedy, that, you know, it, uh, no, he pursued her. He pursued her. Because mm. I remember a, a couple of nights, I used to meet him a lot at Pesetto's, Pacetto's like the restaurant right out of uh, the Fountains of Trivia. And uh, it's still there. It's an amazing restaurant. And uh, you, they have a list. And, uh, you know, when you call, they know who you are. And if they don't, you that they'll tell you, give us your number, we'll call you when we have a reservation for you. And they just throw, you, they throw your number in the garbage <laughs> bill. But anyway... <laughs> Like Rayo's, but but a lot of times the, Rayo don't even have a phone number. They only have ten tables anyway. But they, no, they can never compare. That would if they heard you in Rome say it's like Rayo's. Oh my God, Pacetta's is probably the most classiest restaurant in the whole world. You don't find red and white checkered tablecloths <laughs> or Christmas lights up all year round. <laughs> Talking about Rayo's, you know something I just found out: Nikki the Vest died. Really. One of the, for our audience, anybody knows Rayo, Nikki the Vest started there as a busboy, became the bartender, and was the bartender up to just a few weeks ago. He passed on. Is what a, a legend, a legend. Yeah. Did he always wear a vest? Always. Is that where he got it? And different from? vests. And people used to buy him vests when they come there. They had, yeah. he, he must have had a collection of vests. But I wonder, that's a good thing. I wonder what he's going to do with all his vests. Yeah, his collection. Yeah. Hard to hear it. No, yeah. But moving on. But well, so, before we do that, I hate to interrupt. It's oh, time for another commercial break. Great. We'll be right back. Today's show is being sponsored by 
Corleone Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Corleone Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco Extra Virgin Olive Oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com. That's CorleoneFineItalian.com. Okay, we're back. Well, you know, did they mention any some uh, some of the women he was dating? Hmm. I didn't. I, I was looking at let me see where I found Jackie Kennedy in here. I know he was married. He was married once. Was that for like the majority of his life? All the time. All the times marry once. They never get divorced and they have gumaris. <laughs> mm. Oh, I see. I found it. So supposedly one of his mistresses was Pamela Harriman, socialite. Right. Um, yes. And also supposedly he was involved with other women even during his marriage. Um one of whom was Anita Ekberg, Hello. Swedish Great. actress. Greatest actress. Anita Ekberg, amazing actress. No, that's all that was. Those are see, the only two I saw. Or, but see, yeah, Pacettos, at night you could see Anita Ekberg. You could see Sophia Loren. You could see uh, Claude Cardinale. Anybody that's Italian was in that restaurant if they were in town. That's the kind of place it was. Carlo Ponti was there every night. I mean, Berlusconi, you name them. And then this bum always had the same table, Johnny Russo, and people figure, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> I, I should tell people the world my secret of that. Years ago when I was going as a young man, the lira was 10, I mean 600 lira to one American dollar. 600 lira. So when I would go and I had so much cash, and especially being involved with the, the the Banca de Roma and the Vatican Bank, I used to bring like a shoebox. Everybody thought it was a pair of shoes. It was only $5 bills, American $5 bills. Because when I wanted a table or even leaving a restaurant, I'd give a $5 bill to every one of them. That's like 3,000 lira. They get that all week for working. Yeah. And people couldn't believe... Why, what does this guy give him? I just fold it up, shake the hand. They couldn't wait for me. <laughs> well, that exchange rate, uh, depending on, on, on what time in history it was, was even higher than that. Oh, it got even crazier, yeah, yeah. A thousand, two thousand, three thousand lira to the dollar after the war. You know, I just made, well, I was there after the war, much after the war. I was there, I started going in the late 50s and kept going until into the 80s and then stopped. But early in the 90s, no, my 90s actually. But um, no, but even then, whatever it was, they knew. Like the Cafe Donay in front of the Excelsior Hotel. On Saturday night, you don't get a table there because that's the greatest people watching there is. It's right outside the Excelsior Hotel, which is an ex amazing hotel in itself. And it's on the Via Veneto. But just, it's on the way into the Buck of the Principe. So I'd have the corner table, but I'd call when I was in town. I'll let them know I'm coming in next week. I want my table. They wouldn't give it to nobody. Nobody. I don't care who it was. I'm sorry. And if I got there with people sitting, they'd say, excuse, excuse. 
and they got to move them over. People get me, they don't care. And I give them extra $5 bills for that. Yeah. <laughs> $5, amazing. Amazing. That's Italy. Uh, Johnny, let me ask you this. Was Agnelli ever involved in illegitimate business? They say so. I don't know. I mean, I, I, how could I, you know. There's a lot of rumors of how he got to the power he has and did. And, you know, in uh, Italy is, and, and you know, it's more interesting when you th think of the, his people that he knows, I would have to say if not more than 50% of them were communists. So it's, uh, you know, he was friends with Berlusconi. He was friends with everybody. Oh, I think maybe very hard to stay legitimate in Italy, particularly from the 1950s on where they changed governments. It seemed like every other week. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to be in with all of them. And uh, you can't be that good a businessman. Cash, I would think, has to change hands somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, I was going to say um, his grandfather, Giovanni, who was like his namesake and the original founder of Fiat, maybe he was involved somehow. Maybe. But I mean, the other thing too, though, you know, they just, I think at one time they had the, the, the biggest roster of single industry employees in all of Italy, the motor company, Fiat. Hmm. So, I mean, I, who knows? You know, that's, when there's Italians and good looking extra money, they all say he's with the mafia. <laughs> Where did they get these? Yeah, that's why I was curious. No, I've, I've been telling that story all the time. I'm not with the mafia. I know people, that's all. <laughs> Which is true, I'm not. Thank God. It's true. So, but Agnelli, well, I mean, what a, and, it's, and again, there's it's, it's Gianni, which, you know, I, I like talking about Agnelli rather than Versace. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a big name here, but I, I, I never went that way, fortunately. <laughs> mm. So this watch that that you showed the audience a little while ago, that was the same watch you showed me when you were uh, when you came here. We were doing a show up in Butler. It's the only watch I own. I own watch. watch the only one I wear. Yep, it's got nine carats of diamonds. It's twenty-four carat gold, solid gold, and um, it's an amazing. I may I I get so many compliments on this watch. And especially when I'm on stage, because holding it, the diamonds are in the bracelet. You don't see it's not a flashy watch on the face value of it. It's right. A, they're in like the sides. They're in the, the barrels. Yeah. Uh, the band. Uh, it's a beautiful watch. I, I've got my own little watch story, and uh, it doesn't compare to yours. But at, after the commercial break, are we coming up on a commercial break? No, we did it. Yeah, we can we can end off whenever we can head to the mailbag whenever you guys okay, are ready. Because so. yeah, well, we have about five minutes left, right? Ten minutes. Yeah, five okay. minutes. So I have to go get the watch out of the safe. Oh, 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 okay. No, then we can go to break. We can go okay. to break. Go get the watch. Now I'm curious. <laughs> Please, right. we're going to a break. As Pat leaves the room and go get his watch, uh, I'm going to follow him to see if I can get his combination that's safe. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hi, Patrick Picciarelli here. Before we get to our listeners' emails, a quick word about the new fiction book series I've launched. Private investigator Ray Yale tackles his first two cases in Bloodshot Eyes and The Pop Line. Both books are in paperback and are available on Amazon.com. 
I've been a PI for 30 years, and these books are based on my cases. Enjoy. We're back, and Pat's back with his watch. Okay. This is the, the name of this episode is going to be Dueling Watch Stories. There okay. you go. <laughs> I, I had a client. I'm a private investigator, for those of you who don't know. I wear a lot of hats here. But uh, a client hires me. I did not know before the jury called me, and his daughter ran away. She was like 13 or 14. And he said, I contacted the police, and, you know, it's uh, she, she's out of state, and, uh, you know, nobody cares, and uh, I got your name from somewhere. Can you help me? And, uh, hey, it's a client. So, you know, he, he paid me. And... Uh, Long story, going into it because that's a whole episode. But I found her. He pays my bill, which wasn't that much. It took me like three days. And he said, and I, I had admired the watch, the same thing. He had, to, he had this watch on. So I said, uh, you know, I, I like watches. I got a lot of watches. He gives it to me. Right on his Yeah, it's like $12,000 oh watch. This is, well, now this was the watch, it was new in the 80s. And back then, uh, a Rolex president uh, is called a president because presidents wear them. Uh, right. Johnson, I think they gave them to them also. Yeah. Uh, the It's solid gold. Everything is gold in this. Right. The band, the case, everything. But back then, the bands were solid gold, like this one. Yeah. Now they're, they're gold, but they're hollow. Yeah. Mm. Oh, they're very light. <laughs> yeah. The, the, weight, the weight of your watch and my watch is like three times. Oh, this thing. I tell you, if I ever fell in deep water when I was wearing this, I'd freaking drown. <laughs> oh, uh, I just looked at the price of this thing. Uh, it's about 30000 Yeah, no, yeah. Wow. I'm afraid to wear the thing unless I'm with somebody I know. So if I get shot, run over, have a heart attack, they're going to take it off me rather than the ambulance attendants. There you go. <laughs> but I'm very proud of this, and it looks like the day I got it. And I, I thought he was kidding around. I mean, how do you how do you thank somebody for something like this? No, so without, you, know, without well, my without you, my daughter, you brought his daughter back. I, yeah, I guess you can't put a price on that. Yeah, no, oh. he starts crying, and he says, "Please, you'll insult me if you don't take the watch." I said, "I'll be the last one." Hello, know? yeah, hello. Yeah, thank you very much. So I wear this with pride, but I don't wear it often. <laughs> I wear mine every day. And I know. Great yeah. story, Pat. That is a great story, though. A lot Both better than you. mine. I went over there to go do all that stuff. The guy just handed it to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had to find the daughter first. Yeah, we had three days to do that. Took a little bit of work. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was rather easy. Great know, story, though. No, friends. make make the audience think it's hard now. Stop. Boy, it was that hard. God, <laughs> looked like a dog 24 hours a day. Oh, my God. All right, we're going to the mailbag. I love I'm the mailbag. Watch. We meet more people. Let's go. Right. First, we have a message from Elaine. Elaine says, I'm really loving the podcast. By any chance, did you know a bookie in West L.A. named Alvin Levitt? He was from the Bronx, but grew up in Boyle Heights in the 30s and was, according to my aunt, a childhood friend of Mickey Cohen. Jack the Enforcer Whalen was killed while attempting to collect on a debt owed to my father. Sadly, he died in 89. My sister and I were never told much of his story, so listening to your podcast is like getting small insights into what his life must have been before we came into the picture. He was 52 when I was born. Thanks so much for all the stories. I plan on binge listening to all of them. Great. I, I don't know your dad, and uh, I think our cross wouldn't wouldn't have passed if he. Uh, I don't know. Again, I don't don't know the math. 
how old you are. He was this and you were that. And But anyway, I, I never had the privilege of meeting your father, unfortunately for me. Hmm. All right, there you go, Elaine. Next is from Stephen. Stephen says, hi, Johnny, do you know anyone who is in the mob in Canada, Montreal, Woodbridge, and Hamilton area? And still do. And I will not mention their names. They were all in my <laughs> audience at Niagara Falls View March 7th last year. <laughs> and I'm going right. back. Good. There we go. Next is a short little message from Bob. Bob says, just finished Hollywood Godfather. Great book. Couldn't put it down. Don't stop. You're good at it and need to do another one. Recommending it to all of my friends. Take care. God thank bless you. you. Well, it's still selling. That's that's the good news yeah. for all of you people. And thank you for telling your friends. And the book is, was, we had our two-year anniversary a couple of weeks ago, months ago. And it's still selling, fortunately, because of all of you. So tell them about the podcast. Tell them about the book. And we'll be here for a long time. Yes, sir. Next. All right. Next is from Francisco. Francisco says, I'm 36 and a Puerto Rican, but have always been fascinated with the mob and Italian food. My mom would serve me rice and beans, and I always wanted pasta and meatballs. My question is, what would a Christmas Eve and Christmas Day be like with the Russo family? What activities and food would be on the menu? And you guys are awesome, all three. Thank you, Francisco. Well, I'll give you, a, you. Brief, uh, a brief menu. Christmas Eve is seven different fishes. It's a religious thing we do. And that's always at my grandmother's house while she was alive. And the place would be jammed. And then we'll all go to Christmas Eve mass, come home from mass, and she'd have big frittata with potatoes and eggs and all of that. Because then we'd go to bed. And we'd, they, she would hope we'd stay in bed until like 9 or 10 o'clock because they're cooking again for the big Sunday dinner, which included turkeys and hams, lasagnas and everything else. But... Uh, and you, and you would then Monday morning just go to bed and die. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't live forever. But we'll All right. Next is from Seth. Seth has two questions. First, he says, I'd like to request or suggest a show on Carmine Lobardozzi, the king of Wall Street. Carl and hear Lamondoza. from Johnny what he knows about the mafia and Wall Street. Carmine Lamondoza. Yes. No, I mean... The mafia has always been in Wall Street, <laughs> fortunately and unfortunately. No, but they went into legitimate business. It was smart. But uh, we could, we'll could we look it up and see if it's worthy of a, a whole show. I mean, uh, who knows really, uh, Who knows that whole family? I don't know how many people really know them. Well, I think uh, I, I think a show like that would have legs. I mean, I did a book on a, on a, on a woman from an Italian uh, uh, mafia family from Staten Island, the, the Electro family. Oh, hello. Who, who had her well. own scam on, on Wall Street. She used to steal the mail. She, she had a gang, and uh, uh, the mail was dropped in a chute in office buildings and uh, collected in a huge bag and just left in the lobby for the uh, post office people to pick it up. Well, they would get there before the post office people, take the mail bag in a truck, go through all, all the mail. They knew what checks looked like. Really? So they would take the, the mail with the checks in them and put the mail bag back. They did this for a long time. She got caught. Wow. Uh, and well, she did, she did let's that. look into the Lamondozzi thing. I mean, there's yeah. a lot to say about that. Yeah. I opened a place called Bars and Books for um, 
No, bankers and brokers. What am I talking about? Bankers and brokers. Bankers and brokers, downtown Wall Street. John Gotti owned it. I opened it for him. That was that was short lived. I, I didn't know you had anything to do with it. That. that was a great place. Yep, yep. I opened it. Got, I'm not mistaken. Mistake. A guy from the Carpenters Union found dead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he got shot. He must have not paid his dinner check. Yeah. Moving right along. <laughs> All right. Well, second question from Seth is, what does Gianni know about the Secret Society propaganda do, a.k.a. P2? Did he ever meet Lucio Gelli and rub elbows with any Freemasons while in the Vatican? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Easy enough. Okay, moving on. Next is from Daniel. Daniel says, hi, Megan, Gianni, and Patrick. I am currently on episode 34 in season two and have recently found the podcast and have been listening to an episode whenever I get the chance. I have a couple questions. First is for Gianni. I live in a town called Guelph in Ontario, Canada, and we have several buildings here that they say have underground tunnels that Al Capone used to smuggle alcohol during the U.S. Prohibition. I was wondering if you know anything about Guelph and the mafia or Canada in general. There's a lot of Canada questions tonight. Yeah, well, well, Canada has the, the largest population of Italians other than Italy. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, still. I've heard you say that before. Still. No, I know nothing about that little town. It must be a seaport town if they have tunnels that didn't get the, to the boats with the, the liquor, but I don't know about it. Hmm. All right, second question is for Pat. Um, Daniel asks, do you know anything about the 75 precinct and the whole corruption accusations in the 80s? Yeah, 75. Uh, Timothy Dowd was the corrupt cop in the 75. Uh, he was probably, other than the mafia cops who used to kill people, uh, he was the most corrupt cop I think the NYPD ever had. They were doing drugs, selling drugs, ripping off uh, drug dealers. And it, he was so brazen that he would do lines of coke off the dashboard of his radio car. He just didn't care. And how do I know all this? Because he wrote a book. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and uh, he capitalized on it. He did, I believe he did nine years. He came out and he went uh, he went into the cigar business, uh, which I believe he's still in. He only did five years? Wow. No, he, no, he, he, I believe he did nine years. But even that... It sounds like, you know, well, he, abusing he the badge trial. and killing people. He didn't stand trial. He, he, he copped out. Oh, oh, they made a deal. Uh, he was, and and I I can't say this for sure, but uh, he may have passed along some information. Uh, he operated for years, uh, and it, with total impunity, people were afraid to do anything. The bosses were were so frightened of uh, of the whole precinct going down that they, uh, they just let it go. Wow. That's amazing. He's been out. This, this happened in the late 80s, early 90s. Timothy Dowd. Hmm. Hmm. That answers your questions. There we go. All right, next is from Pat. Pat says, hey, guys, love the show and have been listening for over a year. I was wondering if you could devote a mailbag segment, a show segment, or even a whole show to discussing Ru Russell Bufalino, his role statewide in Pennsylvania, and his links nationally to organized crime. Thanks so much and keep up the great work. Russell was tied to the Gambino family. That's so easy. Well, we're, we're getting very good show ideas. Here. Yeah. Well, Russell Buffalino, that's easy to do. I mean, we know so much about him. My God. 
Sure. Do it. Well, write it down. Let's research it and do it. I'm writing it. Joe Pesci played him in The Irishman. Right. Yeah. Oh, correct. Yeah. I know, so The Irishman. So anyway, but moving right along. <laughs> okay, next is from Anthony. Hi, Gianni. Your book is a great read. Much success to the film adaptation. Any chance to get Francis Ford Coppola on the podcast? Maybe Talia Shire or Robert Duvall? Also, I would love to know if you're interested in checking out Coppola's revised edit for The Godfather 3, a.k.a. The Godfather Coda. Um, no, 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 and no. <laughs> <laughs> he picked everybody. They don't talk to me. Coppola don't talk to me. You don't talk Robert to Duvall. Taya, no, Taya, I mean, Taya talks to me, but how are you going to get in touch with her? Taya fortunately married very well to David Shire, for people who don't know, and he was a great composer for a lot of movie scores. In fact, won the Oscar for the theme for Rocky. That's who her husband was. Oh, I didn't know that. I know, most people don't know that. And that's what's so funny. With, I mean, I, I love this joke about Sly and me, because, you know, Sly's not the sharpest tool in the shed. So I'm walking down Cannon Drive one day, right after the whole, you know, Rocky thing. So I said, Sly, why'd you marry my ex-wife? What do you mean? I said, you married my ex-wife. <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, Adrian, Connie, Adrian, Connie. I still don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> He's not too familiar with the, with the film, is he? <laughs> That's like an embarrassing. No kidding. <laughs> Talk about brain dead. Yikes. Well, he wrote a good movie. We'll give him. Oh that. my God, he wrote a couple credit. of good movies. Don't don't. I, one thing about him, I my hats off to him because I remember when he was trying to sell that script, and Paramount wanted to buy it for James Caan. Right, and then he said, "I want to, I want to be." I want to start He it. was turned down a ton of times. Right? Everybody. Finally. Everybody. Uh, I forgot the guy who did it for him. Finally. And they, they look at where they like was it Godfather? I mean uh, Rocky ninety two now or something? <laughs> I know there were a lot. There's the statue right at the oh my God, museum yeah. in Philadelphia. Well, that's that's a big huge thing. where I'm from. Well, that's a big you know tourist attraction for the city. Absolutely. Yeah, that was smart. Yeah. Where right. are we now? Next is from Jeannie. I think this is the last one that we had time for. Jeannie says, hi, friends. Gianni, did you know Ron Rudin? It sounds like you could do an episode on him if you want to. Who did you think killed him? Well, I first don't know, don't know him. I don't know who killed him. And if I did, I couldn't say it. But who's Ron Rubin? <laughs> Ron, uh, uh, Megan, is that the Jeannie Raymond? Which is Jeannie. Um, I don't know. It's, it just says Jeannie. I would assume that it's, it's the Jeannie that we're used to hearing from. Okay, anyway... Ron Rudin was a movie producer in Hollywood. Oh, Rudin. Oh, yeah, I, yeah I, I said Rudin. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, I thought you said Rudin. I didn't pronounce it, but I didn't enunciate it enough. Rudin. No, Rudin. 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 He was killed by a group of young men called the Billionaires Boys Club. Uh, uh, there was a book. There was a movie. They buried him in a desert. And these kids, and they were young guys. Uh, they made a lot of money really quick. But it was, uh, it, it, it was all a con. They just conned everybody out of their money ran around in Ferraris and smoked expensive cigars. Everybody invested with them. It was a, uh, it, 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 the, the whole thing was a scam. Rudin uh, owed them some uh, money uh, that he wouldn't pay. 
and they kept on going back to him and he wouldn't listen and he was killed and they actually bragged about it. Wow. And uh, needless, they're, they're all doing life. Oh, they're wow. Well, sure. The only Rudin I know is Mickey Rudin, Sinatra's attorney for life. Yeah. All, all right. right. Well, that is all I have for tonight. Well, thank you all. Thank you for listening to us. Give the reviews. Tell your friends. You're, you're making us superstars, and we appreciate it. Believe me. Some of your enemies, too, because after they listen to us, they'll become your friend. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Tell your enemies. That's we're, a good idea. We're that good. Please. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. Wear a mask and stay healthy. God bless. Good night, good night everyone. Good night. Good night. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Or when it seems your friends desert you. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. I'll be around. Yeah. Welcome to Feinstein's. I love being here.